0: Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast, and that'll be great. Uh, you can go to Spotify, your podcast apps, all that. That way you can get all the updates on Matthew Stafford's injury. Okay, so Matthew Stafford entered into the concussion protocol on Tuesday. We're recording this on Wednesday, so Stafford is one day into the concussion protocol, according to head coach Sean McVay and the Rams. And... That means that Matthew Stafford's status for week 10 against the Arizona Cardinals is definitely in doubt, you know, for him to be activated in that amount of time, he would have to basically do everything perfectly from here on out. And Sean McVay saying on Wednesday, he's not ready to rule out Matthew Stafford and start talking about John Wolford and Bryce Perkins just yet. And they're just, you know, taking all the necessary precautions. It sounds like with Stafford, but you know, as we're seeing also from uh, Kelly Stafford, Matthew Stafford's wife, you know, she's taking that this very seriously and she's a very, um, uh, what do you say, not vocal. I mean, she puts her thoughts out there on social media, right? So that kind of also plays into, and Kelly Stafford has always sort of played into, you know, the life and career and choices of Matthew Stafford. So I think we have to take that pretty seriously and expect that, you know, Matthew Stafford may miss a game here, if not multiple games for a Rams team that a three and five, you know, is looking for answers, not more questions, but JB, you know, um, I, I guess we can't really speculate based on, well, do we think Stafford will play or not? Because, That's not in our place to say, other than to say the odds would suggest against it and probably just be best to plan for it not for him not to be available. If you're, you know, on our end of it, we can plan that way. But as far as, you know, the Rams being without Stafford, you already had mentioned recently uh, a consideration, a thought experiment. What would the Rams look like without Stafford? So, how big of a change do you expect if Matthew Stafford can't go this week?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, Blaine Grisak did a great job on the website outlining the Kelly Stafford story. And, you know, he has children, and that's got to be the first priority is making sure, you know, his health in the long term is sufficient. And, you know, he maintains that the best he can and does what's best for his family. So all we can do is speculate what this offense might look like without him. And, you know, the Rams have some significant question marks a backup quarterback where, you know, John Wolford hasn't had a lot of playing time, but when he's played in the regular season, even in the preseason, the Rams haven't put up much points under his leadership and under him with him under center. So I think it's fair to be concerned in that regard. But I do I am encouraged by whether John Wolford or Bryce Perkins play if needed, that their mobility really adds an element that this offense is lacking. And when you look around the NFL, you're seeing some you know these teams are maybe like surprisingly better than what we thought entering the year. Uh, they all have mobile quarterbacks. So whether that's the Chicago Bears with Justin Fields, uh, the New York Giants with Daniel Jones, and there's so many others that uh, whenever you can't get this traditional running game working, maybe someone like John Wolford or Bryce Perkins or a combination of the two, that would be pretty interesting, right? And we can talk about what that might look like. You know, if you can have these designed quarterback runs or even option type plays, um, maybe it makes Daryl Henderson, Cam Akers life easier. And that opens up things to the passing game, but, the Rams aren't running their normal traditional passing game we've seen from them. This downfield attack, and you know, maybe you don't need a big cannon arm to make the most of this offense in 2022 with the way defenses are playing you. Maybe the running threat and these more uh, you know moderate, talented passers uh, can be more beneficial. And I think it's something to watch unfold over the weekend.
0: You talked about you know how. The Rams, could they have won the Super Bowl last season with a different quarterback? How many different quarterbacks could have won the Super Bowl with this type of supporting cast? And so what I really just want to talk about is the supporting cast. You know, this seems to be a team that has one of the lowest ranked supporting casts in the NFL, despite having the reigning offensive player of the year among them. Because when you take out Cooper Cup, you know, How many players on the Rams would be starting for other teams in the NFL outside on offense, outside of Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup? I mean, even just starting there, J.B., what would be your answer to that question?
1: I mean, Rob Havenstein remains one of the best right tackles in all of football. And those are really a rare commodity where maybe there's only five or six good ones across the league. And, you know, Cooper Cup obviously is in that conversation. Allen Robinson maybe fits in there somewhere. But yeah, definitely other than that, uh, there's not a lot of talent on this Rams team. You know, the Chicago Bears came after Brian Allen. That was his hometown team and free agency this year, but the Rams were able to retain him. So uh it's an interesting question. And you know, something I think that gets lost in this conversation of how much blame do you put on the offensive line struggles, the receiving core, the running backs, the quarterback is, you know, Matthew Stafford, by all measures, is having his worst season since his rookie year. And I had, I think I think it's hard to imagine that the Detroit Lions over his 12 years didn't put a worse supporting cast around him than what he's playing with now in Los Angeles. So I I don't really know how to assign the blame to these things. I don't know how much the quarterback deserves, but uh, I think the article that you referenced was just, you know, I think there was probably seven, anywhere between seven and a dozen quarterbacks that could have won the Super Bowl with this Rams roster last year. Whenever you have Von Miller rushing the passer coupled with Aaron Donald and, you know, it just makes you wonder like, maybe Stafford won the super bowl because he was just available and that's something that maybe Aaron Rodgers or other quarterbacks weren't
0: i mean it's uh and, and i think like anybody that uh would take issue with the the question or the number i think I, you could look at the 2020 buccaneers and say tom brady chose a team that already had everything else in place and he just had to slide himself in there and win his seventh super bowl it's not like you know, there were other quarterbacks besides Tom Brady that could have won the Super Bowl with the Bucks in, 2000, in 2020 as well, you know, so it's like, I think it's a fair question and, and it's, a, it's a situation for all Super Bowl teams that'll be, you know, differently uh, valued at different positions, you know, so the Rams certainly knew that they had made this big push all in last year, which I think It's funny because it's like we use that term, oh, they're pushing all in. But the thing is, if you push all in in poker and you win the pot, you have all that money and everybody else's money. And now you're sitting at the top of the castle. The Rams pushed all in last season. It was what people say, but they won and they have no chips. And it's like you don't just like it's funny because it's not just like pushing all in. And if you win the Super Bowl, it's like you do get to reap the rewards of calling yourselves the champions, but without first round picks, without, you know, without hitting on any of these second and third round picks um, and having like less cap space now and, and how the Rams would even be able to figure out next season if they were to deal with, say, A a very serious injury for Matthew Stafford, or Aaron Donald's retirement, or Jalen Ramsey asking to be traded. Like, if any of those things happen next season, the Rams are left with such a discombobulation of the team that won the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. And in a lot of ways, the Rams have exploited the inefficient player or draft pick for player market. And we've seen during the trade deadline that that market is now efficient and there's a lot of bidders that are willing to, you know, like throw a ton of premium draft capital at these star players. And, you know, maybe now that the Rams are on the other side of it and they're watching this roster deteriorate pretty much on the offense and, you know, you're starting to see the cracks on the defense as well that, you know, what can you get for a Jalen Ramsey? What can you, like, can you sell Cooper Cup at this point? You just signed to a contract extension. Is Allen Robinson even tradable? And, you know, maybe you think, well, this roster as is isn't going to be able to compete within the next year or two. Maybe we need to tear it down to the studs and start over and acquire all this draft capital and and try to get some youth and some young talent in the building. But uh, as a fan, I think that's a really hard thing to stomach and really hard question to ask. And truly, the only people that know the answer to that question is and if they're willing to do it is Sean McVay and Les Snead because, You know, Sean McVay's future is in a lot of ways tied to the Cooper Cups, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey's of the world. And if you tear it down, maybe he's not willing to come back and he goes to TV next year.
0: It's such a different landscape. You know, everything about the NFL is different as the NFL that I knew when I was growing up or, you know, following the NFL in the 90s, 2000s and even in the 2010s, it feels like in the 2020s. You know, the money is so much different. The opportunities are so much different. The players are so much younger, you know, because the money is going up. I think that's one of the things about it, JB, is that I look at some of the top teams in the NFL and the top players in the NFL and the players that are sort of reigning supreme. And I'm looking at it, and I'm going, that guy's a rookie. That guy's in his second year. That guy's in his third year. We're talking about, you know, last year, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. We're talking about this year. You know, Jalen Hurts is a very young player, uh, and he's got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and, you know, a lot of the guys starting out for the 8-0 Eagles are, are very young guys. Uh, you got the Cowboys. Maybe the MVP of the league uh, underratedly is Micah Parsons. You know, this is a guy that's dominated since he came into the league. You're going to see wide receivers, you know, uh, like Jalen Waddell, you know, and uh, uh, these guys that can just come in right away, Chris Olave, and just be dominant from day one. And then you've got the Rams who went with the complete opposite approach and said, we're going with stars in their 30s, you know, and and there you've got a... Super Bowl championship, okay, check mark, you got a Super Bowl championship, but no first round picks, none of those young guys, no chance at a DeVonte Smith or a Micah Parsons or whatever it is, you know. I, I don't want to overrate any one player, of course. But I, I see how much different the league is, and one of those things being teams getting younger, players wanting to move on. Like Matthew Stafford being able to be traded to the, the Rams a couple years ago, a year and a half ago, was just something that didn't happen five seasons plus ago. If you were a player in a, at a quarterback, even if you were on the worst team in the league for 10 years, you still stuck that with that team. And the team wouldn't let you go. And now it's more like, okay, well, how do we moneyball this? How do we find uh, uh, values? You know, that's what the Lions are trying to do. And the Lions are still sinking. But, you know, here are the Rams at three and five. uh, And and that's another thing that's like it's so different around the league. JB, another thing that I mentioned that would be different is we talked about this in the offseason or the preseason where I said, I think that Matthew Stafford and the Rams could be looking at a load management situation uh, because, you know, we saw John Wolford get a start in the preseason and basically like that was a very unexpected thing at the time. And it seemed like, okay, well, as opposed to the year before where they protected John Wolford, now they're not protecting John Wolford. They've kept two backup quarterbacks for the last two years. JB, I would certainly hope that, if I was any onto anything in terms of load managing or or the Rams preparing for a situation, just like this one, that John Wolford and Bryce Perkins, Hey, you've been in the system for over three years, each of you. So you better be prepared. Um, Do you think that the Rams are prepared?
1: Well, I think a combination of some sort between Wolford and Perkins definitely can get by for a game or two, maybe not eight games or the second half of the season, they'd really be exposed in a big way at that point. But you know, the Rams knowing, you know, Stafford's elbow issue coming into the year and still intent, like willing to sign him to that contract extension. And the Rams like can't move on from him until 2024 or 2025, which is, you know, astonishing, right? And you know, something that worries me more about this concussion issue is they're so unpredictable. There's really no timeline to return in regards to them. So if you flash back to last year, Taylor Rapp had a concussion late in the year, missed the entire playoff stretch, right? And then David Edwards has a concussion early this year comes back maybe too early, like we don't really, we're not privy to those details, right? Suffers another concussion. He's on injured reserve, and there's no timetable for when he's going to come back if he does at all this year. So if Stafford does come back and, you know, get, takes another big hit, he might be out for the remainder of the season. And this is a guy that you've invested heavily in. You've leveraged your future in order to build around him. And that would be, you know, a, a bread-hot disaster situation for this team moving forward.
0: And I I think it's just, number one, you know, well, I'll I'll get to this part in a moment here about whether or not the Rams should even bring back Matthew Stafford. Uh, uh, People are going to take that the wrong way. Uh, Whether or not the Rams will need to shut down Matthew Stafford at a certain point if they keep losing. So keep the pin in that. Um, But, you know, J.B., The Rams have done very unusual work here with John Wolford and Bryce Perkins. I don't, you know, it's been four, this is his fourth year with Sean McVay and the Rams, John Wolford. He had one year where he wasn't the backup and now three years where he's been the backup and he's been keeping the roster spot been keeping it all up there. Uh, even though at the same time, Sean McVay has held on to Bryce Perkins for three years and two of those years uh protecting him on the 53 man roster. So, Now could be the time, if Stafford misses a game or two games or three games, we got to see, okay, why have you been keeping these two particular backup quarterbacks? Why have you been keeping three quarterbacks on the roster the last two years? Why are these the guys? Why didn't you go out and get somebody that may be a, a better, more safer, reliable option? Just depending on how these guys do you know we've had so many questions about the rams decision making you know this year um that it kind of is hard to ignore that if if john wolford or bryce perkins aren't capable then what what was the point of all these uh you know strange you know go back to this thing of not wishing that the the rams were more transparent to try and understand some of their decisions but if this doesn't go well depending if Matthew Stafford misses any time, JB, it's like, is this another big question mark for Sean McVay and Les Snead? Yeah, I mean,
1: they don't have the opportunity or the resources to really invest in a premium backup. But if you have the guys in your system for four years for Wolford, three years for Perkins, uh, you hope to you know nurture that in them, right? And here's an interesting suggestion. Well, it's interesting to me. I'll, we'll see if you think it's interesting too. But what if you could platoon the two? quarterbacks if Matthew Stafford does indeed miss this game against the Cardinals this weekend what if Wolford handles you know the middle area of the field you know most of the drives and then you bring in Perkins maybe the short yardage third and short fourth and short goal line type situations just because his mobility is a big bonus in that way and you know he's not as good of a passer as the Justin Fields and Lamar Jacksons of the world, but he's just as good running the football. He's just as, as electric of an athlete, right? And we saw that during the preseason where you know he's hurtling over guys and he's exciting and fun to watch. So uh, I think you know neither one of them have big arms. Neither one of them are great passers. You know Wolford's really limited in that regard, in uh, his ability to push the ball down the field. So I think we could be looking at an opportunity to platoon quarterbacks, a two quarterback system, and just take the the both the best attributes from both of these quarterbacks and really mash them together. I think it'd be, you know, cool to watch that unfold.
0: And then as I said before, you know, and yeah, that would be, uh, you know, I think that's another thing, you know, when I talk about the changing of the league and the way that league teams do things, you know, I think one thing we're seeing right now, you can never nobody can ever think of the nfl as a uh as a thing that's always in homeostasis or you know just stays one thing all the all the time you know it's like every time someone goes oh wow this is the first quarterback to ever do this or this is this quarterback is better than joe montana by this statistic it's like you know You'd rather have that quarterback in 1980 who maybe threw 25 interceptions. It was a different time, right? And now I think we're seeing the value of the running game and running backs start to skyrocket again as defenses are only prepared to stop the pass. And I think that the fact that teams like the Rams and the Bucks, as we saw last week, can't run the football, that's a big part of the reason that they're struggling because they did not hit on their running back picks. They did not find the right run blocking offensive linemen they don't have the right run coaches in there whatever it is you know if you can't run the football we're seeing you sent. you mentioned mobile quarterbacks um and yeah that's a part of it when you have Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts and some of these guys uh even Marcus Mariota who's probably giving the Falcons a little bit more of an advantage Than if they had stuck with Matt Ryan, obviously, as the Colts found out. So, you know, there's that advantage there. So things are always changing and shifting. And I don't see why not, you know, as far as having a, you know, a quarterback by rotation or a quarterback by committee because. That's that is the that's that would be the hardest thing to stop, right? You know, and if you don't have one guy that can do both things, maybe you have two guys. And I used to think, uh, tell me if I'm alone on this, JB. I used to think there was a rule that said if you pull the starting quarterback, you couldn't like put him back in the game, or that there was a certain amount of times that you could pull a quarterback from a game. And I used to think that was true. I think it might just be a high school thing because I looked it up and that's not a rule. Did you, did, does that make any sense?
1: It doesn't ring a bell to me, but. Uh, and when you see Taysom Hill and, you know, rotate with Drew Brees and, uh, you know, Andy Dalton or whatever now, maybe that's seems to be a thing in the past, probably.
0: Yeah, very good point. There was a Taysom Hill and, and everything. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, that is what the Saints have kind of had to do. Uh, and And they're not having that much success, but you got to have. Also talented, a talented passer for sure, and uh, I don't think the Saints have one of those. Uh, uh, the Rams have a very talented passer, but not somebody who is mobile. So um, that's that's definitely a, a big risk. And you know, playing behind this offensive line, you know, if the Rams aren't going to be winning, maybe the, uh, the best thing for Stafford is is not to play. And so, as I as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, let's say that the Rams did. Lose this game without Matthew Stafford, uh, fell into uh, about last place. Yeah, last place in the uh, NFC West. A lot of big red flags in terms of some of the starters on the offensive line um, and some of the, you know, just questions that we know exist at positions on defense. Uh, JB, I mean, this doesn't feel like one of those Lions seasons where. Matthew Stafford is going to play at all costs. You know, at this point, it seems like if the Rams fall out of the playoffs, should they sit Matthew Stafford?
1: Well, he's 34 years old, right? And that's a big concern. And, you know, he's not 20, you know, 25 anymore, banging up his shoulder and still completing the comeback. Those days are long gone. But, I mean, one thing that if you what's at stake here is if you win the next two games against the Cardinals and the Saints and the Saints aren't a very good team. We've seen them on primetime. Lose to the Cardinals, right? And if you can win those two games, you're back at 500 and you're back in the conversation. And yeah, you have a tough game the following week against the Chiefs, but then you fought up with, you know, winnable games against the Seahawks, Raiders, and, you know, you're back in the playoff hunt. And if Matty Stafford misses this game and Jolden Wolford and Bryce Perkins don't live up to expectations, you know, this is a lost season for the Rams. And I don't think you can put Stafford back in once you're out of contention. But if you're Stafford and you're sitting at home and you really, you're looking at what's at stake, you might be willing to push yourself to play, but uh, you have your family to think about. And that's such a tough decision and, you know, wish him all the luck in the world in making that.
0: Yeah, we have to just assume that, uh, yeah, whatever the case may be, that it's in the best interest of uh, Matthew Stafford's health. And, uh, you know, I think it's just, it, it may come to that point where, the Rams know, hey, there's a new four-year, $160 million contract and many other years that we want to play with Matthew Stafford. It seems like so much is also tied into Matthew Stafford, you know, whether that's Sean McVay's career with the Rams, you know, some of those, you know, rumors. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, you know, McVeigh is going to tie his availability with the Rams to Stafford, Donald, Ramsey, uh, and Cup? Well, just knowing the
1: extreme competitor that Sean McVay is. I have a hard time seeing him hanging it up after this, you know, disappointment of a year. And he wants to show him that he's truly one of the best head coaches in all of the NFL and, and maybe NFL history. Cause he's on that pace, even at such a young age. But uh, I think we're going to have this conversation every single offseason where he entices and, you know, teases going to TV perhaps. And, you know, the Rams have to keep it exciting, but I really would like to see Sean McVay go through a full rebuild draft his own quarterback. And you really see, you know, Sean McVay 3.0. And that might be four or five years down the road, but uh, I think, I think as NFL fans, we just deserve to see that play out because, you know, if when Sean Vegas gets to hand select a rookie and you really watch that development, I think it'd just be a good case study for, you know, just the history of the game.
0: Yeah, it is going to be a regular thing. And yeah, it would be hard to walk away. You know, I, I it really would be hard to walk away, you know, and to not see what Sean McVay would do from scratch uh, would be disappointing. And certainly the idea of, you know, he didn't draft Jared Goff. He didn't, you know, he didn't bring up Matthew Stafford. So it would be interesting. And And hey, look, Given what the Seahawks are getting out of Geno Smith and, you know, given that Cooper, Cru- Cooper rush went four and one this season, given, you know, some of the surprises that we've had this year, why not, you know, John Wolford or Bryce Perkins only in the sense that we don't know, like they could be anything at this point. If Geno Smith is, you know, the NFC's pro bowl starter, then anything can happen. And so it would be really interesting to see if maybe one of those guys could, you know, because both of those are pet projects for McVeigh. So, hey, look, if one of those guys turns out to be a starter. And I think in this in today's NFL, it's not out of the realm of possibility, you know, to, to put a, a system in a place and, and bring up certain tools and development um, for, for an undrafted free agent like one of those two to turn into a decent player. Um, doing good things but you know and both definitely more mobile than Matthew Stafford uh, Perkins to a larger degree and we'll see how that plays out if it plays out this week against the Cardinals. Uh, JB we're a a few days out of the Bucs loss with hindsight do you feel any better about that game?
1: No I just don't this offense totally lacks identity not sure who they're trying to be I think Jalen Ramsey's comments after the game were spot on that, you know, they never really should have been put out on the field. And when you, whenever you have that, those three downs to get a first down, you can seal the game. And you don't put the ball in the hands of your quarterback that you drafted more than two first-round picks for, invested $40 million a year in. And you instead hand the ball to Daryl Henderson twice and give a jet sweep of all things to Cooper Cup. I think, you know, that's really that's really just negligence and you got to put the ball in your best player's hand and a guy who loves to have the ball in the fourth quarter, despite really struggling in that same quarter this year. uh, It's just malpractice.
0: Yeah, very strange. Um, And I don't know, you know, nobody really knows, but I don't know to what degree, you know, Liam Cohen is influencing this. You know, we don't talk about, Kevin O'Connell, you know, because he wasn't getting a lot of credit for the influencing. Um, but now the Vikings are seven and one. Is, you know, is he helping that offense to do stuff, or is it just because, you know, there's a better offensive line, maybe, or a Delvin Cook, or, you know, because I don't know, like, yeah, in your quarterback rankings. Um, obviously we know Kirk Cousins has better numbers and more wins, but, you know, do you have Kirk Cousins ahead of Matthew Stafford based on what we've seen this season?
1: I mean, I definitely, I think you have to put him there. I mean, Matthew Stafford by all measures is having the worst season since his rookie year. And, you know, he's been in the bottom third of quarterbacks for most of the year and hasn't elevated the supporting cast around him. But, you know, in every sense of the word, Cousins has a better supporting cast. He has that running game, not just with Cook, but with Madison to lean on too. They have two, that defense has two great edge rushers, which, you know, the Rams only have, you know, Leonard Floyd complimenting Aaron Donald. So, uh, you know, the signing is a Darius Smith looks so smart right now. And, you know, they have the receiving core that, you know, with Justin Jefferson, you know, you had TJ Hawkinson, he made an immediate impact after the trade deadline. And you just don't see that very often. And uh, you got to love what the Vikings are doing, but I think it's just a perfect complement of the running game with the passing game which is when you look around the NFL, the successful teams, they have a strong running game this year, and the Rams don't. And that's why, you know, they're not a contender flat out.
0: I really like, uh, you know, it's hard not to point to, even though the Packers are struggling too now, you know, it's hard not to point to all the successful coaches that used to work for the Rams and then start trying to quantify how much value a assistant coach has um, and specifically how much value an assistant coach has under Sean McVay and whether or not, you know, how good would the Rams be right now if they had Brandon Staley as their defensive coordinator, would it be a big difference? Maybe, maybe not, you know, how big of a difference would it be if Kevin O'Connell or Matt LaFleur was there to advise Sean McVay on the offense Would it be a huge difference right now? Well, you know, the Rams are last ish, you know, in offense. So maybe, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty valid question to bring up, you know, the fact, I don't know. I don't want to place any sort of, you know, thoughts on Liam Cohen, just based on this, but like, you know, he left and he he got to be an offensive coordinator for Kentucky, um, but he didn't, you know, would it be a different if he had gotten, if he had been, you know, proving himself in the NFL instead. Um, And so there's, there's sort of just those, those questions. And then when you look at how poorly the draft classes have gone in the last couple of years, especially, or at least, you know, five, six years, you know, just wondering like, okay, well, is this Brad Holmes leaving? Is this uh, Brian Zanders leaving? You know, all these people who have uh, left the organization and we focus a lot on players for good reason in the NFL, but JB, do you think like the Rams need to, you know, go out there and find some more talent in the coaching and, and executive ranks?
1: Well, you've been making this Brad Holmes point for a while. I think it's a great one, but you know, the Rams just released Terrell Burgess, who was their third round draft pick in 2020. So this goes back farther than just when Brad Holmes left in 2021 to go to the Detroit lions, right? Like this, the last three draft classes have been well below what you expect from this team. And you know, you don't have the, the premium draft picks to you have to hit on these later round picks and you're just not doing it. And it's freeing the depth behind this, you know, underneath this roster. So I think in you know, between Matt LaFleur, the Packers offense is really struggling. You know, Zach Taylor's another name where after he leaves in 2018, after the Super Bowl, you really take an offensive downturn in 2019. So uh, maybe there's a trend here where, you know, player, important people, assistant coaches like Zach Taylor, uh, Kevin O'Connell leave and the offense falls apart the next year. So I think it also is pretty heavily correlated to the offensive line. And Aaron Cromer's in Buffalo, and he was a very important part of this team up until the 2021 season where you have Kevin Carberry now. And, you know, what is this offense? Who have they really developed in the last two years? I guess it's pretty head-scratching. Alaric Jackson's a big one, right at left tackle now. And, you know, Sean McVay, he has a lot of weight on his shoulders. You wonder how much of a toll it's taken to have all these people leave um and you know where do things go from here i'm not too sure
0: yeah it's it's hard to say uh that w- what's going on you know where things go from there but you know we do know where things are going in the uh schedule the arizona cardinals 3 and 6 uh very bad very you know if the rams have a very frustrating offense you know i think the cardinals just have a very boring offense it's like the absolute opposite of what an air raid offense sounds like it's going to be just so many short passes and runs and passes that are actually just long you know outside runs and you know you have the most you know a guy that at times can be the most exciting quarterback in the league because he's so much smaller than everybody else and he can run around so quickly and, and throw the ball so far but, man, if the Cardinals just don't have such a boring offense that can't do anything, the fact that Cliff Kingsbury is, you know, alive and well in the NFL coaching ranks continues to mystify. But there he is, and, and it's it's like hard for the Cardinals to divorce Cliff Kingsbury from from Kyler Murray because – what else can they do other than replace Cliff Kingsbury with someone who knows how to run an air raid? You know, they've put everything into Kyler Murray. So when you put everything into Kyler Murray, you know, then it's hard to sort of uh, get rid of the guy that was hired to bring along Kyler Murray. So you've got so much invested in Kyler Murray, but the Cardinals are three and six and Kyler Murray missed practice on Wednesday, so it with a hamstring injury, so it could be John Wolford against Colt McCoy uh this sunday um but j b how how big of a deal is that you know, like do you even fear the Cardinals with Kyler Murray? Well, if you
1: flash back to either Kyler Murray's rookie year or second year you know, late in the season, you know, as these, the Cardinals always get hot in the second half, or they always collapse in the second half of the stretch, you know, Murray was dealing with an ankle injury. Remember, he played the Rams and he just, he wasn't mobile. He couldn't navigate the pocket at all. And the Rams, you know, harassed him and, and they made him look awful. And he really fell apart in that game. So you wonder, even if he plays with his hamstring injury, if it's being monitored and his load is being, you know, managed over the course of the practice week, he might not be himself on Sunday's game. And that could be, that could be huge. And, you know, this Cardinals offense is just confusing and they have a ton of injuries along the offensive line, similar to what the Rams been dealing with this year, where not only are their starters hurt, but now you're starting to see the depth erode and the backups really have injuries too. So um, DeAndre Hopkins came back from suspension. He's played three games and has almost, I think he has 298 yards in those three games. So averaging almost a hundred yards per game has touchdowns in two of the three games. And, you know, you would think that he would have given this offensive spark with that level of production, but they've been just as bad and you know, they haven't really put up much point much in the way of points and uh with as it has been, but to put the marriage between Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, they're just a confusing team. And you wonder where they go from here.
0: Loser of this game. I mean, uh the Cardinals obviously would be three and seven, the Rams would be three and six, and They would each have, you know, one of them would have another loss in the divisional standings, but, you know, hard to imagine any team coming back from 3-7, especially the Cardinals, and not impossible to see teams come back from 3-6. and It's happened recently, at least once, but not the ideal situation. Fair to say that the loser of this game is, uh, you know, packing up their season.
1: I mean, probably, but I, we said that a lot about the last few Rams games, right? And, you know, here we are asking the same question. So until they're mathematically out, I guess we'll be asking the same question about the Rams all season.
0: You know, I think that this one particularly, you know, feels like when they, if they'd lost to the Bucks, which of course they did, it was like, if they lose to the Bucks, then the next one feels like the end. Uh, and if they lost to the Panthers, then the next one after that would feel like the end. Since they didn't lose to the Panthers, you know, then it's like they they keep keep it alive a little bit. Uh, but I do think that it's going to be difficult to come back from this one. And as I wrote earlier today as well, just thinking, you know, win three of four or win four of five—it's a very tall order. But then at the end of the day, have dominated the Cardinals. You said the Saints weren't very good. The have dominated the Seahawks and have and the Raiders are terrible. So, you know, that's five games coming up. And then the game after that is the Packers, very struggling, bad team that we might just be overrating because they're the Packers and the Denver Broncos who look very stinky and crappy. Uh, so you know, those next seven games, a lot of possibilities within there, but only if the Rams play well, you know, because if we're a Packers podcast, then me and you, JB, we'd be talking about, oh, thank God the Rams are on deck, you know? So it's like, it, it's only matters if the Rams are good. And so far we haven't really seen them be good. Um, I mean, I don't even really know. I mean, do you think that the Cardinals game is the best actual game that the Cardinal uh, that the Rams have played all season? I mean, it's
1: very possible. Uh, you can't even really say it was the Panthers game, which I guess is the next best option, right? Because you were trailing at halftime to one of the worst teams in the NFL, someone who's already fired their coach. So uh, Matthew Stafford played a mistake-free football game against the Cardinals back in, you know, whatever it was, week three or four. So um, I'd actually, here's my hot take for the week. If Matthew Stafford ends up missing this game and you see some combination of John Wolford or Bryce Perkins with their mobility and what they add on the ground, I think this will be the overall Rams best offensive performance in 2022 so far.
0: Wow. Wow. That is a very, um, uh, a hot one and uh, I appreciate it, but you know, there's also just like very low bar, you know, it's, uh, the last six games, 20 points, nine points, 10 points, 24 points against the Panthers, 14 points and 13 points. Now look, the bucks, the 49ers, pretty good defenses, Panthers, better defense than offense no doubt uh cowboys very good defense 49ers very good defense so you know it's it's been a it's been a struggle of uh defenses but i do think that you're on to something with regards to bringing some variety here with the rams offense again frankly it just can't hurt what the rams did well last year they can't do this year so if you can't do what you did last year but you're still trying to do it because matthew stafford and cam akers and cooper cup are still the the main players back there then you know then it's just sort of like well we need to mix something up and really try something new so it seems like getting bryce perkins or um John Wolford in there is it's the very least is something new and it's not going to be still trying to repeat what happened last year when you don't have the pieces in place for whatever reason uh to make that work. So the Cardinals present such an interesting case because yeah, that 20 to 12 win in week 3 uh wasn't dominating, you know, wasn't a strong performance like we had seen from the Rams last season, but felt like a game they were going to win from the beginning to the end because even the falcons game they blew a 28 to 3 lead as everybody knows uh prior to winning that game so rams cardinals does have serious implications um and it's really interesting to see how these two teams have changed after making the playoffs last year out of the nfc west as well as how the divisional strength uh, has changed everything because as you mentioned the nfc east is so strong right now um at least seemingly so who do you think is the biggest uh pretender in the nfc right now the team that's going to crater
1: that's a good question i think just by the virtue of the three teams being competitive in the nfc east between the eagles cowboys and giants that eventually they're going to beat up on each other right and I think you're going to see the Eagles come down to earth. I don't think they're going to miss a playoffs or anything, but by any stretch of the imagination. But I really believe in what this Giants team is building. I just think they lack too much talent. And over the second half of the year, you're going to see them, uh, you know, approach that 500 mark. They might still make the playoffs, but they're not going to be a serious threat. They're going to be, you know, next to a bye week for whatever you know team hosts them in the wild card round. And uh, I definitely would say the Giants are the weak link in this NFC playoff picture.
0: Yeah, you know, it's just one name uh that you would think that it, uh if the Giants finish the season like 11 and 5 or uh excuse me 11 and 6 and or 12 and 5 go to the playoffs, win a wild card game, losing the divisional round to the Vikings or uh or a team, you know, 49ers or something like that. Um you would think that even then at that point the Giants are going to replace Daniel Jones and potentially, you know, be a team like the Bucks or the Rams in the last couple of years, uh, and the Broncos earlier this year. Although they were seemingly wrong about this, uh, they'll be the team that thinks, "Hey, we're we just need a quarterback," and you know whether that's a big move for Lamar Jackson or or some other kind of uh, medium move or whatever it is, or uh, Tom Brady or something like that. You know, you would think. The Giants have that stuff in place. um, And that's interesting to see there. As far as other teams in the NFC that could come down to earth, you know, the Vikings at seven and one, very close to a loss this week, but uh they pulled it out against the commanders. Um, and then there's nobody that really can crater out of the NFC South. Who do you think is a sleeping giant in the NFC, a team that's you know three and five or four and five and or worse, uh, like the Bucks, the Falcons, uh, the Commanders, the Packers, the Bears, um, the Saints. Uh, and obviously the Rams, who do you think is going to come out of that and uh, make the playoffs?
1: I mean, you have to be encouraged by what Justin Fields had put on tape this weekend. You know, he looked, he, he was so exciting to watch and, you know, he's making a difference with his legs. He's making a difference, sewing the football, but you know, ultimately they, they came up just short in that game. So that just, it's a reminder that no matter how good he is, and he's probably proven that he's the guy moving forward, that this roster just has so many shortcomings that it's almost too much for him to overcome. Right. And, You know, I'd be really encouraged about this Falcons team. You have Kyle Pitts, you have Drake London, such young, exciting receivers. And, you know, Marcus Mariota has really proven his worth in the NFL. And, you know, he deserves, whether it's a bottom third type, you know, starter in the NFL as quarterback, and he deserves to have his opportunity. And he can make things interesting with the Bucs kind of floundering. I'm not sure their win over the Rams really asserts them as a top team or maybe even the favorite in that division. So uh, I definitely would keep an eye on the Falcons over the second half of the year.
0: Yeah, interesting pick, you know, and that's something that uh, uh, I wasn't sure how Arthur Smith was going to survive the season just because I didn't really – have high expectations for Marcus Mariota and, you know, didn't really know how they were going to win a ton of games if they didn't, you know, get better pass rushers and and do all the things that you would seemingly think that they needed to do. But then you do have this division where they're tied for first place sort of uh, at four and five and, you know, feeling like, hey, we can keep alive and still do something here. And like I said earlier about having young players, you know, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, um, lots of guys over there doing stuff at a at a young age um, and having an impact right away to get to that point, which is just something that uh, the Rams would li- like to see more of and need to do more of, um, you know, before we get out of here. Just thinking on that line of thought, you know, we haven't really seen a ton from the Rams rookies this year outside of Darian Kendrick. Uh, we might see Kyron Williams. Sounds like we very well could see Kyron Williams this week against the Cardinals. Um, any thoughts there on, uh, on potentially adding Kyron Williams to the backfield, but also, you know, out of this rookie class, who do you think maybe, uh, the Rams will be able to hang their head on let's say next season and feel like, okay, at least out of the last draft class, we got this guy.
1: Yeah. I've been talking about how this offense and even the defense, you know, this Rams roster just lacks speed. And you're not going to get that in Kyron Williams. He's more of a shifty back going to be a high volume pass catcher. But, you know, like Ronnie Rivers, when he came in and the Rams used him in the screen game, you really add an element of speed and explosiveness, uh, despite being, you know, an undrafted rookie, like Kyron Williams is not that he's, he's going to be one of the slower players, skilled players on the field. Um, maybe he can make something happen. I wasn't a big fan of him coming out of the draft. So absolutely hope he proves me wrong. But, uh, you know, Darion Kendrick, despite his struggles in recent weeks, uh, I think he has you know, the best chance to be the, the best player out of this draft class because you know, he comes from a great program in Georgia, transferred from Clemson, right? Was on such a talented defense that he kind of got lost in the shuffle. But you, see, you just see he's a heady player, and he's willing to take chances, but you know, he lacks that, that upper-tier athleticism where you know, he's going to get beat down the field sometimes. And you saw that against, the, against the, this weekend, right? Um, and you know, he had to get handsy because he got beat deep. And drew some pass interference flags and penalties, right? And, you know, maybe someone like Quentin Lake that you haven't seen so far this year because he's dealing with that knee injury and the Rams haven't given us much information about it. In 2023, maybe he's more in the fold. And, you know, you have Taylor Rapp leaving as a free agent, possibly, you know, Nick Scott's also a free agent. Maybe Quentin Lake is even a starter for this team next year.
0: Yeah, Quinton Lake's always been an interesting name for me and, and just waiting to see uh, where he goes because there just hasn't been any uh, practicing and, and, of course, not games. So it will be great to see what happens when he's added into the mix because – you know, we, we, there was good times with Jordan Fuller. There, there there, have been good times with Nick Scott. You know, taking a safety in the sixth round or the seventh round or signing one after the draft may lead to good things sometimes. So I think that's that's a good shot. You know, that's a, that's a more high-risk shot. Um, but yeah, as far as the Rams rookie class, you know, they're really going to hope for and need um, a strong return for Logan Bruss and, and hope that he can... You know, play a guard spot because as we've seen with Bobby Evans, um, and the loss of, of David Edwards and you know, rotating through so many guards this season already, you know, anybody that you can find there that that feels like a solid addition. And I also think like it's important to keep in mind for anyone listening and, and thinking, but the Rams just won the Super Bowl. You're right, you know, the Rams just won the Super Bowl with David Edwards and Brian Allen and Austin Corbett. So I wouldn't, you know, stress too much. I think a lot of people, you know, have focused on Bobby Evans and, you know, it's understandable, but at the same time, at the end of the day, you want to have a good team uh, that's so good that you're not even talking about the guards and the centers and, you know, that hasn't been the case with a lot of these other players and a lot of these coaching, a lot of the coaching, and just all the things that have led to the Rams being, you know, a bottom five offense in the NFL through, you know, half of the season. So that's going to come down to more than uh, a couple starts for Bobby Evans. Although, yes, the Rams should get better uh, at the interior of their offensive line, and that'll have to start coming through the draft. Um, and and when the Rams get back to Picking players in the first round, it's going to be very interesting to see that sort of development curve again after, you know, so many years off. I mean, JB, we don't even really talk about the fact that the Rams take all of draft season. Any time that you are going into a draft thinking, we're going to draft, we've got a pick in the top 20 picks or the top 15 picks or so the first round. You've got to spend all of March and February and January going to the senior bowl and go and, you know, the the Rams do that stuff, but they're focused only on the mid and low tier prospects. And that probably, you know, that's another thing that we don't talk about, which is how could you be so bad at drafting the mid and tier and low tier prospects when you don't even have to study the top tier prospects? You don't even have to look into them. You don't have the picks in the top fifty, the top sixty. So, only thing you have to do is study those mid and low tier prospects. So, to come out of that uh, without any sort of like of those high end uh, advantages of those picks there on day two and day three is even more surprising. So, the Rams haven't spent any time in January, February, March, you would have to go back to 2016. You could also go back, obviously, when they uh, did the trade down, I think, in 2019 uh, or, you know, with Taylor Rapp when they just kept trading down. But other than that, you know, the Rams have basically just taken off all of the studies since 2016 of anything having to do with top 30, top 40, top 50 prospects for the most part. And even when you go to 2016, JB, you're still talking about one player. They studied Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. So they didn't have to do anything else in 2016. In fact, you have to go all the way back to 2015 with Todd Gurley to find a time when the Rams had a top draft pick and were like open to other positions besides quarterback. So when the Rams are on the clock in 2024, if they haven't traded that, JB, they will have been 10 years since they studied first round prospects. What are your thoughts?
1: (laughs) I mean, it's kind of funny to think about the Goff versus Wentz conversation now, right? Where it was a losing argument because they both haven't really panned out. They've both been below average, well, you know, average to below average quarterbacks. Uh, Wentz obviously has had a stronger year individually than Jerry Goff, but how big of a shock would it have been if the Rams would have drafted someone like Dak Prescott, number one overall? And, you know, he was a fourth round pick and look what he's turned out to. And, you know, the the book is still out, whether maybe, you know, he's an upper echelon type quarterback, a truly elite passer in this league, but um, he definitely is the best of the three and, you know, a cornerstone of the Cowboys franchise. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I wouldn't rule out, you know, the Rams continuing to trade future first round picks for someone like Brian Burns, who guess what is still on a rebuilding Panthers roster this off season. And I don't see the Rams if that's, if they truly feel he's going to make a difference, I don't see them giving up on trying to acquire him or someone similar. So I don't think the Rams are done trading first round picks yet. As long as you are drafting, you know, you're winning games, making the playoffs and that draft pick is towards more towards 32, number one overall. uh, I don't really see the big problem with it. And, you know, you just have to execute and you have to hit on those later round picks and the Rams haven't done that of late.
0: Well, you know, fans get so hung up on your draft status that I do think like, yeah, if Dak Prescott, had been the number one pick in in 2016. Obviously, if something like that had happened, people would have lost their shit. They would have gone like, what are you doing? Why did you take this guy? I had him in the fifth round, whatever, whatever. You know, so getting past that though, if Dak Prescott had been the number one pick or even a first round pick, no argument I think would be had over should the Cowboys have extended him? How much is he worth? Is he elite? Blah, blah, blah. When they combined, you know, oh, this guy was a top pick. And he was offensive rookie of the year. And, you know, he had 30, 36, 37 touchdown passes, take all those stuffs into account. You know, people downgrade him because he was a fourth round pick, even to this day, even though you're right, he's not established himself to be in that upper tier. If he was a first round pick or the number one pick, then I would probably be calling him overrated right now. But since he was a fourth round pick, we're still calling him underrated. Um, but Hey, <laughs> What's the here's the scarier point, JB? The Rams could have not traded down or traded up at all and gotten Dak Prescott five times over <laughs> instead. So, you know, that's that's the scarier point is that to what degree was uh did the did the Cowboys outsmart the Rams and the Eagles that year, or did they just get lucky? Probably. Mostly column B, some of column A, but it's all in hindsight now. Well, since
1: we've gone down this rabbit hole, something yeah. that's also interesting to think about is, you know, you know Jared Goff's rookie year struggles really defined his whole career. And whenever he, you know, Sean McVay came in and really rehabilitated his image, you know, Sean McVay got the credit, not Jared Goff. So what happens if, you know, Sean McVay was the Rams coach the year they drafted Jared Goff and he you know, got a hot start, really hit the ground running? Do we look at Jared Goff's career in a different light? When he struggles, you know, in 2019 and beyond, are we saying you know the Rams just need to rebuild a supporting cast around him? Don't trade away someone like Brandon Cooks, you know, keep that deep threat, rebuild that offensive line. Uh, you know, I really think it changes the discourse surrounding the Rams quarterback conversation at that point too.
0: Yeah, very true. I mean, yeah, I love playing these uh, thought experiments and games and and what could be, and you know, for the Rams. You know, I got to give them credit for pulling the trigger on Matthew Stafford when they did, although I know some people still disagree with that and still, you know, now is not the best time given, you know, where Stafford and the Rams are right now to argue for Matthew Stafford in the trade and all that kind of stuff. But I still think that was the right move. And I still think um, the talent difference was on display last season. Uh, and at times, you know, and it came up very I, I don't I've never I didn't see Jared Goff consistently making some of the throws that Stafford was making in the fourth quarter down the stretch against the Bucks, against the 49ers and against the Bengals. So it doesn't mean that, it. you know, there weren't ways to win those games with Jared Goff. But uh, yeah, that was just and now i am gone off another rail. But uh, but just like thinking about it in those terms, I think, OK, great Stafford move got the Super Bowl championship, no no worries there. But new season, new rules, new game, nobody cares about last season, time to figure it out. So, you know, for the Rams, beating the Cardinals this Sunday, with or without Matthew Stafford, will go a long, long, long. And I don't think anybody should lose hope if, say, Kyler Murray starts and Matthew Stafford doesn't, right? P.J. Walker beat Tom Brady by a lot. So let's find out what happens this Sunday as the Rams face the Cardinals. Uh, subscribe here to Turf Show Times, the podcast for Rams fans. Go to turfshowtimes.com. Follow us on Twitter at Turf Show Times. Um, uh, I swear our blue check was there before. We didn't buy it. Although, who knows? Maybe they will take it away and follow us there uh, and read all of J.B. Scott over at TurfShowTimes.com. That's it for this episode. Come back for last minute thoughts later this week.